Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nicole. And I'm Gina. And today we are dishing with the husbands about differences in parenting. Uh, We're going to cover a lot of topics here. We'll talk a little bit of uh, discipline, a little bit of technology, maybe uh, gifts. I don't know. We'll kind of touch on it all and whether it's strengthened our marriages or, or not, and perhaps what we will uh, do differently should we ever be parents in the future or advice to, uh, to new parents. Yeah, not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, first, a little catching up. Gina, what's uh-huh. going on? I got so little is going on that this is my catch up. I have on here Alexa farts. Okay. Do your kids ever ask Alexa to do something and then Alexa takes it the wrong way, doesn't understand what they're saying because, I mean, Cameron his speech isn't great. Um, so she'll think he said something else and then play mm-hmm. something and you, it's just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't, okay. I don't know what Cameron asked Alexa to do the other day, but she ended up farting and we basically uncovered a secret labyrinth of farts in Alexa. You can ask her to do all types of farts and she, I mean, a wet fart, a silent fart, a strained fart. A strained fart. Like a fart that you have to push out. <laughs> it is the funniest thing. So after you're done with this, if you want a good laugh, you've got to ask Alexa to fart. I mean, we did this for like an hour. <laughs> Are your kids still doing it on the regular? No. So we oh. only, we, we, no, we, we will unplug Alexa if we don't, if we're, if we're not in the mood for it. Um, they know when it's appropriate and, and not appropriate. Um, but there was also, we discovered this song called Up Your Butt with a Coconut from Cameron asking Alexa to do something random. And then she started playing the song Up Your Butt with a Coconut. <laughs> it's just, it's so inappropriate. Like I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. I hashtag bad mom. But, <laughs> but I mean, we didn't ask her to play these things. She just did because she thought that's what we were asking for. I mean, it is just really funny. So that was a good laugh that we had this week. Other than that, um, Paige, are you up at the t- top of the stairs listening to us right now? <laughs> okay, why don't you leave? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're recording this on a Saturday. Typically when we record, the kids are asleep. So it's a little bit different today. Uh, I have started not necessarily a chore chart. That's not something that I'm quite ready for yet. But just giving the kids heightened responsibility. And when I say that, I'm, it really is nothing. For example... When they come in um, after school, they are used to throwing their shoes off onto the ground, throwing their jacket down to the ground, their gloves, whatever it is, and then just running off and playing. Something as simple as, no, you don't do that. I'm not cleaning up after you. You know where these goes. These go. Put them away um, before you go out and play. And that sounds, I know it's kind of ridiculous. But it's, I've waited this long to actually start having them do this. But hey, it's better late than never. And then also because I feel like Paige, Paige does not like to read. I didn't like to read either at her age. So I, I do understand it. And I, I empathize and I also am not afraid of it because, I mean, it didn't really harm me at all. And I love to read now, but she doesn't like to read. So we've sort of um, had her start to read a book when she gets home from school, just one book, and then she can go play with the neighbor or do whatever she wants. And that has been working out really well. I will say she comes right in. She puts her stuff away. She grabs a book. It's been about two weeks. So I don't know. That's I think that's a good sign. So far, so good. Yeah, that's really that's really the only updates we have. Uh, you know, it's COVID. We're not doing anything. So what about you guys? I like that idea. Our nanny, um, bless her heart, she sometimes we'll spend a bit of money for crafts or whatever. And this week it was to the tune of $40. And I was like, "Eh, well, you know, I mean, the cost is, you know, it, you know, not lovely, but it's, it's kind of like, okay, whatever. But I said to her, I just said, you know, Hey, let's just tone it back a little bit. One, because I don't want the kids to think boredom equals spend money. And also we just don't make a habit of like, buying them things just because. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and she totally got it. She was very gracious about it. And, and, and you know, I, she's just she she just like, yeah, it's just hard being inside all the time. And I'm like, yep. And Mark and I were just talking about this, how we really need to ramp up reading. Uh, so that might be a win win for everybody because we Lord knows we have plenty of books. So that might yeah. be a nice addition uh, is a book when. Yeah. The girls first get home from school. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's also something that you can buy where you almost you don't feel like you're spoiling them. You're getting them yeah. something educational. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look, you get a new book, but it's also helping them learn. So it's kind of, again, a win win. Yeah, absolutely. I made your banana protein bars. Yeah, they're not them. mine. They're Amanda's, but yes. Yes. Your recommendation uh, uh-huh. from the last show. They're in the show notes from episode 75. Love them. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we are now three or four days away from our possible trip to Key West. And as of this oh. morning, we are going. Oh, wow. I know. Okay. Oh, my gosh. You're so daring. I mm. Is that mm. really the right word? I mean, it's not. It, it's not. <laughs> uh, um, stupid? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Should I say that? <laughs> um, you know, it's, I, I know, I'm feeling, uh, yeah. Who's watching the kids? My mother-in-law and my father-in-law. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, so we'll <laughs> see. Uh, I don't even know, Gina. Well, okay, you know. <laughs> well, I'll let you know if we actually end up going. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm not jealous. I... I don't, maybe I would make that decision if I was in your shoes. If I was, if I had a vacation planned for the second time, I'd already canceled it once. Maybe I would go. I mean, here, I, I'm saying that you're stupid, but I was going to go to Disney World in April, which, and they say now maybe a vaccine will be out, but who knows? And nothing was going to stop me. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I shouldn't really say that. And you're not bringing your kids. I feel like no, that makes it a no. little bit easier because you guys can control who you know who you touch or who you're around or mm-hmm. you know more than the kids can and and you can you know keep yourself clean not touch your face so it's and not I'm as not, risky obviously know, yeah it's the travel part because we're not going with other people we are pretty I'm actually very unsocial when I'm on vacation I'm mm. typically reading reading yeah uh, so <laughs> but like once we get there I I'm thinking as though we'll be pretty safe. Um, and then getting home, of course. Anyway, I'm not justifying it. It's the wrong choice. Uh, but we're, we're leaning that direction. <laughs> well, at least you're not going on a cruise. I just saw on the news that there, people are still doing cruises. I mean, I did not know this. Wow. And there was a cruise that set sail and there's already five people on there with COVID. So they are all quarantining. I mean, how dumb can you be? Now that is stupid. Yeah. Again, do you remember, that's like how this all so st- mean, but... started. Um, do you remember yes. all those cruise ships having to quarantine? Yes. <laughs> that you is... Know, horrific and then nick said like didn't they get all get tested before they got on i'm sure they did but as you very well know you can get tested once yeah Yeah, you can get tested and you don't have it yet but you've already got it and you're maybe your the virus hasn't started shedding or i don't know whatever the 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 right term is but your body isn't showing the virus yet but you have Mm -hmm. it and then you test two days later and actually shows up Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just don't think that's a smart move. And two other things are playing into it. One, the numbers in Key West are way better than here, which is okay. interesting. And because uh-huh. most people are like, Florida, it's, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into politics today, but you know. Well, it's warm. People are outside, right? Well, yes, but politically, I would say they're a little um, less mask savvy. Um, okay. But anyway, it's, and then um, the other part is like, I have to use PTO. Like we're being required to get to our PTO banks uh, below a certain threshold. And unless I take, basically it's like 15 days that I have to take off between now and the end of the year. And oh what incarnation am I going to do for 15 days? Um, it, it's, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of time. So not saying it's the right choice, but okay. One last story. So Shay's little bestie at school is a girl that's not in her class, but they um, have pods for recess. And so it's the other kindergarten class that is in her pod. And Shay is always talking about this little girl named Sayla. And she oh, loves her. Is that cute? She loves her yellow hair, she calls it. And she always talks about how short her hair is. Uh, but she loves this girl, Sayla. And can we have a play date? Can we do this? And I'm like, what is her last name? So she comes home and she tells me the last name. And I go, okay. What is her mom's name? So she comes home. She tells me your mom's name. So last night, I'm like, okay, I'm going to look up her mom on Facebook. I, I find who I think is Sayla's mom. Yep. I send her a Facebook message. And she's like, yeah, that's me. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> my daughter's obsessed with your daughter. And um, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but uh, I'd love to get like a, a COVID play date uh, at some point. 
And she said, oh, well, would tomorrow work? So we actually just got back from the park oh. uh, with a COVID play date. So nice. outdoor, freezing cold, masks on. I'm like, <laughs> what well, is the world question. coming to? Mm-hmm. What um, you said that Shay says her hair is yellow, which my kids say the same thing about kids with blonde hair. Uh-huh. But is it different than Shay's? So Shayla's hair, Sayla's hair, <laughs> like combined, <laughs> Shay, combined Shay and Sayla. Her hair is very, very blonde, almost looks bleached. Oh, oh okay. It's so cute. She's Aww. adorable. And she has a, um, an older sister and a younger brother. So we just got back from the park. Um, I yeah. actually had a play date last week with one of Cameron's. It was Cameron's first play date. She, it's with this girl named Lucy. He's obsessed with Lucy. They're not, you know, it's like, friendship wise. You know, they're mm-hmm. young. It's not like a, you know. Not yet um, a love just, interest. Correct, correct. I have to be careful the way I say it too. Like, ooh, Lucy, it's not like that at all. And I don't want to, I shouldn't even say it like that. But they just play together so well and are always in pictures together when I look through the pictures that the the, the preschool posts. And so I actually, I reached out to her mom to see if they, if she wanted to have a play date. And her mom, this was, so Lucy's an only child. So her mom, I guess, has never done a play date before. She's like, how does this work? Can we meet at a park? I was going to have them come to our house and play mm-hmm. on the on the swing set in the back. But I don't think she was comfortable with that, which I completely respected. Um, but she ended up being a, a teacher at the school, a first grade teacher where Paige is actually going to go next year. So, so yeah, it was it was kind of a small world. I'm like, Maybe she'll be our te- her teacher. Um, but it went really well. Yeah, just watching them play together is just adorable. It's just so different because when Paige was Cameron's age and she was just so, so shy uh, we didn't have play dates. I mean, she, so Cameron's three, he'll be four in February. It's taken until about, I would say five and a half when Paige was finally okay to have a play date and warm up pretty fast to the, um, to the other kid. Yeah. So I'm not used to such a, at such a young age having play dates either. So really I was kind of in the same shoes as Lucy's mother anyway. All right. Anyway, Ready? continue. That's it. Uh, so before we grab the guys, just a quick favor to ask. If you are loving the show, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and really help us reach more people. So we'd appreciate it very much if you drop us a review. All right, Gina, should we grab the guys? All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll be back. All righty. We are back with the guys. Welcome to the show. Uh, and we're discussing today some parenting differences between perhaps you, Nick, and you, Gina, and and Mark and I. And so the first question, and I'll send this over to Nick first, or Nick slash Gina. Do you disagree with your spouse on any major parenting decisions? Uh, I think of spanking, gifts and rewards, religion, or perhaps technology, just as some examples. Yeah. Off the top of my head, truthfully, the answer is no, which I think is one of the reasons why we get along so well. And we're, I think, pretty good parents and make a pretty good parenting team. Uh, so the, of the things that you listed, definitely we all are on the same page. Um, but there are other things such as discipline, not necessarily how we discipline, but like verbally how we discipline, which we'll get into, I think, in a little bit here. Um, that I think we're a little bit different on. I do like to say to Nick that I've read this in a book or I've listened to it on a podcast and he gets super annoyed by that. Um, but I think because he's... Not everything in a book or a podcast always relates exactly to our situation. It's right. an example of a situation, not necessarily our situation. <laughs> he's making sure to really put his mouth up to the to the microphone there. Um, yeah, we won't get into that, but yes, yes. But, ge- but generally to answer the question... I would say we we agree with just about everything. Yeah. All the big all the big things. I agree and I think the one thing that will be challenging for us, I'm sure for you guys as well is technology. Um, you know, where we live in the city that we live, uh, kids get cell phones and Apple Watches way too early. Um, so we're going to be fighting I think against the not necessarily against each other, but against the you know, the fear of missing out and what the other kids are doing around our kids. We'll have to, yeah, I think at this point with our kids being so young, the technology thing hasn't really played a big role in our lives. I'm sure that'll change. But I think generally we're, we're going to be on the same page. My page. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would generally agree with you guys. I don't think we have any major differences on any of those items that Nicole listed off. I think a minor one that's ironic 
is that I'm a lot tighter on like desserts and sweets than Nicole. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, after Halloween, which just passed, I mean, Nicole's given them, you know, something pretty much every night. Our kids eat like half their meal and they're like, what's for dessert? Can we have chocolate? And I'm pretty much uh, like, yeah, I'm just a lot tighter on the sweets and desserts, I would say in general. But I don't think it's a major example like religion or technology. I think on those things, we're pretty aligned. You know what, Mark? Uh, we're over here nodding at you because we are the exact same way over here. And our kids also eat half their meal and then ask what's for dessert. And I um, quickly oblige and allow them to have whatever they would like because we have read about intuitive eating and we understand the importance of allowing our kids to have access to desserts and not making it an off-limit foods or not making them force um, food down their throat in order to get those desserts. So I think that Nicole and I know what we're doing. Um, because Nick and I also, I guess, I'm glad you brought that up, argue about that a little bit because yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We had, we had the same, the same situation, especially with Halloween having just happened and, you know, they've still got tons of candy, believe it or not in the, in the pantry. So do you start yelling at them when they ask you halfway through dinner a hundred times, what's for dessert? No, I just tell them what's for dessert. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, Mark's nodding and looking at me, so I should do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I and honestly, we don't necessarily have a set of what's for dessert. I let them choose what they want to have for dessert. Um, they know where the desserts are, what their options are. So it's not like I have every every day a list of you know what's going to be for dessert. I I generally let them kind of have at it within reason, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's never like a, a dessert menu. But they do they do tend to talk about it as they're eating their dinner. And you know what? I do too. <laughs> I look forward to dessert every single night. And I, and I always remind myself of that when my kids are talking about it, because I'm the same way. I enjoy what I'm eating for my dinner, but I also look forward to that sweet treat afterwards. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting that I'm glad you brought that up, husband. Mm -hmm. uh, very good. interesting. Yeah, I would, I would agree. We don't really um, disagree much on, on the big stuff. All right. Economics has really transformed hands-off parenting of the 60s and 70s into a frantic, overscheduled activity uh, of life. Do you agree with how many activities or commitments your kids participate in? Yeah. So I, we were talking about this uh, a couple of days ago. Right now, our kids are pretty much not involved with anything because of COVID. Uh, we had them signed up for a few things at the beginning of the summer, but unenrolled them. Uh, but when COVID is not happening, yes, I think we do agree. I would say that overall, though, I think Nick Nick feels the need to have them enrolled in more. I'm more like a one one thing going on, you know, per per month or th however many sessions the activity is. For example, if I had Paige and Cameron enrolled in swimming, like I wouldn't do anything else. It's just swimming once a week at this point at their age. Um, as, as they get older, I'm sure it will change, but Nick seems to think they might, they should do more, but I'm also generally the one to bring them to that activity. And with Paige, as I've talked about on this podcast before, she's highly sensitive. So I just, it's still been very difficult for me to bring her to activities like that and have to be the mom, the only mom generally in the classroom who has a six-year-old clinging to her. So it can be very awkward. And Nick hasn't had to deal with that quite as much as I have. So maybe that's why he thinks that they need to be involved in more. But to take his side, I think he also thinks that she needs to be involved in more in order to help her with that. So you can look at it both ways. Um, so yeah, anything to add to that, Nick? Uh, well, so I was a kid who grew up with parents who pushed me into uh, kind of the one sport thing. Find one sport, be really good at it, play it forever. Uh, and it was club soccer and Olympic development soccer my entire life. And it was miserable. Um, and I didn't really get to do anything else outside of that. So I'm kind of the opposite of, of most dads with their kids in sports now, because most parents want you to do that because you, you have uh, more time to focus on it, develop and hopefully, you know, be really good at it to get your, your scholarship to college. But I feel like I'd like them to try a lot of different sports to see if they're able to find something that we wouldn't ever have thought that they would like. Um, because that's kind of how I ended up, you know, wrestling, which is something i never did until late in middle school and, uh, ended up loving it. And it, he was a huge part of my life. So 
I think that's kind of my idea as to trying to get them more involved in multiple things as opposed to, you know, just one. Which again, I think, I think we'll, we'll have to uh, revisit this conversation as they get older. Cause right now, yeah, one, I think is plenty at their age, but I'm sure it'll change as they get older. Marcus, any <laughs> Marcus, <laughs> I don't know. I would say I appreciate that. Nicole takes the initiative to schedule them for things because I think if it was just me, I probably wouldn't take the initiative until it was too late or or until, yeah, I just probably wouldn't take the initiative. The flip side of that is I think Nicole overschedules herself. And so then she does the same thing to the kids. And then if it, it annoys me, if the kids are not interested and she's overscheduled herself and she's overscheduled the kids. Um, so th- that's what I would say is I think for me, it's not like one thing or two things or three things. It's like what works in our life and what are they interested in? Cause I think sometimes we find ourselves enrolled in things that they don't want to go to. And Nicole wants to obviously, you know, share the accountability to get them there and back. Um, and I'm like, okay, they don't want to go. It's not at a great time of day. So like, why, why are we going through this rigmarole is sometimes how I feel. But I would say we're pretty flexible. Like if they're not into something, we kind of take them for a few weeks and, you know, whether it's swimming or gymnastics or ice skating, we try a session, whatever that is, two or three months, uh, tennis. I mean, they've tried all of these things. So, and we kind of adjust based on what they, they like and, and what reasonably fits into our schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think sports is probably where we've spent most of our kind of extracurriculars focusing in, but both of them really love art. So I, I think I would like to be um, just maybe move that direction. I think the girls both out of the gates really like something. I, I think of gymnastics most recently. Shay transitioned to gymnastics and saw the big girls like, you know, doing handsprings and backflips. And she's like, I, and she spent the whole time um, crying on her way home because she wanted to do that. She wasn't interested in doing the stretching and like the, you know, fundamentals. Like she wanted to just blast to that. And so for a quick minute, she was very motivated by that. And then when it came to go next the next week, she was like, I don't want to go. Uh, but yeah, sustaining any interest has been a challenge for us. I think for what I have come to realize, and I think it's people probably drilling me for like gift ideas for the kids um, and probably things just like with the nanny and, and spending money is our kids are happy with very little. And when I think of hands-off parenting, I always kind of joke that ignoring them is actually a very healthy parenting technique because it teaches that like I don't I'm not an entertainer um that they really plus our kids are very close in age so th- we have that working for us but they will find great enjoyment from a couple markers some straws and a box and they will make an entire afternoon out of you know we're not relying on technology or toys or um anything to to truly entertain them they're using one another and building their own memories which i love so i think that's a difference kind of that that hands off parenting when you know referencing the 60s and 70s i think that for whatever reason i've fully embraced that style of parenting oh yeah ditto for sure i think that sometimes actually going back to nick even i love this about him that he's very very hands on but sometimes i think he's almost too hands on but i don't know that's not the question, but I, I actually appreciate it. And I am kind of envious of it. Sometimes he's very creative with the kids. But I always come home and they're doing something. Um, but I'll just, you know, kind of let them, you know, go, go do their thing generally. I wanted to get back, though, to the activities. I will say I do think it's very, very normal for kids the age of our children to, you know, be excited about something for the first couple of times. And then it kind of wanes a little bit. I think that's very, very normal. I know that's how I was. And I know that's how a lot of a lot of the kids, even in the class that I see, you can just tell they're just not into it. Paige was the same way. She saw someone do gymnastics on TV and she's like, I want to do gymnastics. And then she realized, oh, in order to get to that point, you have to do all the boring things like stretching and learning how to bounce and learning how to just all the very basic mm-hmm. movements. And they don't really, they can't conceptualize that. Um, but I also will say one more thing. I am very thankful that my parents did push me to continue with certain things. For example, piano. I really did not enjoy it. But, you know, now here I am 37 years old starting to play again. And I'm thankful for that um, for that four or five years that I took it before 
because I'm just kind of reteaching myself again. And I never would have been able to do that if they hadn't kind of forced me to stick to it for a while. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. We all had very different upbringings, it sounds like. Yes. All right. So in countries with increasing economic inequality, such as the U.S., parents push harder to ensure that their children have a path oft, I should say often push to have their uh, a path of security and success for their children. So, gentlemen, how would you define security and success for your kids? I don't know. Mark, you want to go first? Sure, I can go first. Yeah, I would say I definitely I mean, they're still at a very young age, but I think as they continue to grow. Uh, based on my upbringing and what's important to me, I will continue to make them aware of their decisions. And when I say aware of their decisions, I mean, you know, what are they interested in and 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 what does that lead to? So for example, uh, you mentioned art. They both love art, right? I think that's great. Uh, but I think before they declare art as a major, as an <laughs> undergrad in college, they need to understand, you know, the career paths and the career options. And I know, you know, I went to a lot of, you know, I went to school with people who, went to, you know, a top university and they chose, you know, leisure studies or art or, or some of the liberal arts and sciences. And then, uh, you know, as they got closer to even junior and senior year, let alone graduation, they really struggled with like, what am I going to do with this? I mean, in, in many cases, their only option was to go to grad school to redirect or to, you know, to find something where they could land a solid job. And, you know, again, I think in the end, our kids get to choose where they go. I mean, obviously you can't, you can only guide them so far, but I think that a good sound awareness of, you know, financials and, and careers and careers that pay well and careers that don't are important because you can pick what you want and love it and not have any money. And that's great. Or you can, you can pick what you want and love it and hopefully have some financial success as well, which gives you that security to do whatever your hobbies are or, or whatever else you want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, me too. I, I agree with a lot of that for sure. Um, you know, I always say to, to Gina and to our kids that, and it is tough with how young they are now, but, uh, attitude and effort, uh, at a, a soccer coach from Nigeria when I was a kid who all he used to ever say to us was attitude and effort. If you have a good attitude and you give effort in everything you do, no matter what, you'll find some sort of success, whether that's happiness, whether that's financially, whether that's in your relationships, it, it kind of encompasses everything that you do. Um, and I've kind of tried to, to do the best with the kids to make sure that they understand that. And that's, I think kind of like what we were talking about prior to it's where it gets difficult is you, I hate as I said before, as, as a wrestler, quitting was never really an option, uh, in, in the sport that I, I did through high school and through college, because it's just you and, uh, and nobody else on the mat, but you to, uh, to win or to lose. So if you quit, you lose, there's no one to blame. Um, and when the kids do stuff and get excited about it and get motivated and start doing it and then say, I don't want to do it anymore. That's been a hard pill for me to swallow. I'll, I'll admit I've, I haven't really quite figured out how to <laughs> how to deal with that. But, um, so yeah, so attitude and effort for me is, is what will hopefully help me, um, push them into, you know, that success of, of whatever they decide to be. Um, but another thing that I always like to say that, uh, my dad always used to say to me is one of the most important things a man can do, uh, and man or woman, uh, can do in their life is to understand their opportunities. Um, I, I think that that's a very important tool in, getting you to a secure and successful place in your life is, is understanding, uh, as my dad used to always say to me, what you suck at Nick. Um, and I think that's, that's done a lot of really good for me in my life, uh, to help me kind of make sure I always, uh, as I say to Gina in my profession, never get too high on the highs and never get too low on the lows and, and kind of keep yourself as, as even keel as, as possible. And, and hopefully that can kind of help our kids be able to, uh, like Mark said, you know, make, make the right judgment, but make an informed judgment on what you want to do with, uh, with every situation that you're in. Maybe not know what you suck at, but know what you're good at oh. <laughs> either way. Okay. <laughs> Do you have anything to add, Gina? 
You know, I don't. I think that I think the guys uh, said it well. I Nailed really can't it. add anything to that. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Attitude and effort. I love that. Yeah, attitude. He. We have one of those little boards where you put the you know the quotes on you know like uh, positive quotes, and he wrote attitude and effort. And the kids are always like, "What does that mean?" You know, he tries to explain. Effort. What is effort? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was listening to a, a speaker recently talking about the difference between, I think it was like talent and skill. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, a bit of nuance there. Okay. All right, I we touched on it maybe a bit, but if you haven't mm-hmm. already alluded to it, who is more of a disciplinarian in your parenting duo? Yeah. So this, I, I kind of said it at the first question. There's really not much that we. Um, differ on when it comes to parenting, but I would say this is it right here. This is the biggest one is uh, discipline. We both grew up with very different disciplinary tactics as far as parents. Um, I would like to say that my parents did a better job with discipline. Of course, I think he maybe would disagree with that. Either way, that's kind of how we discipline. I discipline a lot like my dad. I don't know who he, he disciplines like, but anyway, definitely Nick is the disciplinarian, I would say. But what drives me nuts is his inconsistency with discipline and sometimes he'll discipline around around the wrong issues. For example, I don't know if you remember this a couple months ago, Cameron did something like hit his sister or something like he does every five seconds anyway. And Nick wanted to put him, I think he said, I think I put him in, in timeout for three minutes because that's the typical recommendation, like a minute per age. He was like, you should have kept him in there all day. And like, he wasn't even joking. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He like hit Paige. I mean, it's not like he took a golf club to her head like she did to him. Or wait, no. Like he did. He actually did do that to her once. <laughs> um, did we even discipline him for that? Anyway, that's not the point. Um, <laughs> the ironic thing is, is that I would also say this is true that Nick is also more of a softie than I am. Because again, it goes back to the consistency. Like I am very much like my dad and that I will discipline generally around the same exact things. I'll discipline the same way if I threaten the kids with something and then they actually, if they do something, I'll, I'll do this and then they actually do it. I will actually do the that, the, the, the next step. Whereas Nick will say, if you do that again, you know, you're going to be in your room all day tomorrow, which is unrealistic. And then he'll do it again. And then of course, he's not going to be in his room all day tomorrow. Happens a lot with Nick. Um, and, but but again, going back to the softy part, you know, the kids can, well, generally, like when I was growing up, it was always my mom I would go to if I wanted something. If my dad said no, I knew he would not back down. Um, so I would never ask him again. That's me. Like if, if I say no to the kids, they don't even ask me twice. They'll go to Nick and he'll say no, but then he'll say it like this. I don't think so. And then, you know, there's kind of a window into the, into the yes. And they keep prying and prying. And finally he'll say, okay. <laughs> it's so true. He's shaking so yes, he is more of a disciplinarian. He's also a softy. I am the consistent one. <laughs> okay, he's got to say something. There's different sides to that. I, I would agree with most <laughs> of that. Um, it's difficult though when... So I'm a manager. I've always been a manager. That's what I've done for the majority of my life. So I've tried to be as consistent with the kids as possible in my discipline. Um, I would say I do, I do sometimes over-discipline, but I was brought up with over-discipline and I learned uh, very fast that if I did something that my dad punished me for, I, I never did it again, I can tell you that. Um, but on the flip side of that, I am a super softy, especially with Paige. Like, if she looks me in the eye and asks for something, I'm sorry, I just can't say no. <laughs> Um, I, I just can't, I, I don't know. I, I just, my heart melts and I say yes. Um, so I think with Cameron, it's a little different. I'm, I'm, unfortunately I'm tougher on Cameron than I am on page. Um, and I think that's probably a lot of dads are probably in that same spot at some point. If, if your son does something and you know, it, it's easier for me to punish him than it is for me to punish her. Um, so that is, that's an opportunity for me. Just as I talked about previously, that's definitely something I suck at. Um, but I try to get, I try to work on it. I try to stay consistent as much as I can. I, I do struggle sometimes because, uh, since I am the only one who does any disciplining in this house, um, I don't want to be the bad guy all the time. Um, so that's where we also run into issues is because uh, I, I, 
I see them doing stuff and Gina doing nothing about it. And it sometimes it makes me go from hot to cold very fast or from cold to hot, I guess, very fast. And that's where the over-disciplining comes in. So uh, again, it is an opportunity that uh, that I know I must continue to work on, as especially because it's only going to get more difficult as you know, boyfriends and sleepovers and cars and cell phones and all of the other stuff that goes into the teenage years and pre-teenage years, it's, it's going to get more difficult. So good luck to me. Yeah. Let me just add one more thing before you guys give your side. I, I do discipline. I think what he's talking about sometimes when the kids are bickering, which I'm sure you guys can understand this, I don't discipline when they're bickering. He doesn't understand that. Like they'll be arguing back and forth, maybe doing some hitting, whatever. I do not intervene. I let them I don't want to say duke it out, but I just let them go at it. They're not hurting each other. They need to figure it out on their own. Nick seems to think that I need to intervene every single time. That's one thing. Also, I will say when I say that he's a disciplinarian, I think it, we're making it seem like he like does any something crazy. He, you know, we don't spank. I will just say that that's not something that is in our. That's not something that we ever want to do. Um, although I think we were both spanked as kids. Um, when I say he's an disciplinarian it mainly it's with his voice he just gets really loud and to be fair i mean i think probably even with you and mark um or you guys i'm sure that even if mark doesn't try he's always louder because it's just, just being a male uh, but like, when i yell <laughs> I don't it know, doesn't even, am, no <laughs> it just nick nick will yell and i don't think he means it's just so loud and it can be really scary i don't think he's meaning to be loud so i think that's what i think of as a disciplinarian like he just yells and I do not like that. I don't think that gets anyone anywhere. And I also think that Nick's dad disciplined him more, not when he was three or six, but more when he was a teenager in middle school or when he was bad, because he was. <laughs> yeah, Mark and Nick, I think we're both naughty uh, as older kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was told I have to answer first, which makes okay. me very curious as to how Mark's going to respond. But honestly, <laughs> in listening to Nick describe his parenting style, I would say I'm I see a lot of that in me, but also I agree with you, Gina. Like if our kids are kind of, if, if the pot is simmering um, and I don't think it's going to boil over, I let them duke it out. Um, not are, are they, they rarely are physical with each other. I would say, and that's probably just like a girl, like an all girl thing. Um, but yeah, if they're just arguing, I let them, I think they need to work on those skills. Uh, and I think it gives them good practice for the real world. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I would say I try to be consistent. Um, I'm a pretty poor disciplinarian, I would say, though. I yell, uh, which I know is not effective. And I would say sometimes I get bent out of shape about things that I shouldn't get bent out of shape about. Yeah. Um, that said, you know, when Nick's describing his like inability to <laughs> say no to Paige, I feel like I used to let Piper off the hook. In the past couple weeks, though, because she was my baby and I knew she'd be my last, that little girl is so naughty. She starts coming home from school now and says, I want to go be alone in my room. Well, I found out this morning. I thought it was because she wanted to like have quiet time and decompress. Oh, no. She's been going into my room, into the bathroom and playing with my makeup. She ruined several sticks of lipstick. I found a mascara completely undone this morning. And then she lies about it. Uh, so I send her to her room. So I do try and be consistent with that. But I think when it comes to um, discipline is usually at an inopportune time uh, that you need to follow through. And uh, this morning was a great example. Okay, Piper, go to your room. And then it was like, oh, shoot, we're supposed to be getting to the park for a play date. And then it's like... <laughs> you know, you're really at some point, I think to be truly effective as they get smarter, it's going to have to be a sacrifice. And unfortunately, that's going to be a sacrifice for not only the child, but also for potentially the whole family or, you oh, know, yeah. one of us to stay back so that it truly hits home um, consequences, basically. Yeah. It's like when you say to your kid, you if you do that again, you're going to lose all shows tomorrow. Because our kids usually watch like one or two, like 30 minute shows. And then, and then if they do it again, I'm like, crap, I want them to have those shows. That's my Kindle time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you one more chance. Yeah. It's that's all I have, Mark. <laughs> I, the only thing I would add is I would say I'm probably a little bit more like Gina. I'm measured in what I say and I follow through. Right. So, I mean, that's what I would say is I don't. Um, and on the whole spanking thing, I think I've spanked each of them once. 
And usually when they're hitting each other, I'll say, do you want me to hit you? Like the <laughs> one that's hitting, I'll say, do you want me to hit you? Like you just hit her and then it stops. So I, I don't know. I think like the whole, yeah, you're going to spend all day in your room or we're going to take this away. Like if, if I'm going to say that, which I, I, I really measured, so I wouldn't say that. Yeah. But I would follow through like today. Yeah. If Piper to. was really, really bad and I said it was five minutes before they were supposed to go to the play date or whatever, like, or even worse, let's say Shay, cause it was Shay's friend. Like if Shay did something really bad and I was like, don't do that again. And then she did it. I would follow through. I would be like, Nicole, yeah. you can take Piper to the park and you can explain that Shay did this and it's her friend and Shay couldn't come. And Nicole wouldn't do it cause she'd be embarrassed cause she Facebooked the person the <laughs> night before she arranged it. She scheduled it. So Nicole wouldn't do it from her own embarrassment, but I, yeah. I would say measured and followed through uh, would be yeah. probably the only difference. I was um, one one year we were in uh, the urgent care like every day in December, I swear. And this was when Paige was little. It was Christmas Eve and we were there and this lady was out in the hallway with her son and her son kept touching the um, the drinking fountain. And the lady goes, if you touch that one more time, Santa's not coming tonight. And I was like, oh, wow, she just did that. And what did he do? He touched it one more time. Do you think Santa came? Of course he did. So like, what does he learn from that? Nothing. So yeah. yes, I've tried to teach that to Nick. He's doing a better job. Yeah, I agree with you, Gina. I think it's really tough, especially with Shay just starting public school, kindergarten, first year, right? She's seen a lot more spectrum. She's a lot less sheltered than at the daycare center. And I think she's seen a lot of the different spectrums of discipline and parenting styles and how that's coming through in the classroom. And so she's going to push the limits, which therefore means our three-year-old pushes the limits. And I think mm -hmm. it's very important that, uh, again, not overreacting, but also following through on, you know, because otherwise they're going to just push the limit, push the limit because they see other kids get away with it. She is more sensitive than Piper. Um, so it, it's and she's older, so it's easier to have a conversation than necessarily than going straight to discipline. I will say on the topic of spanking, I um, when we were potty training Shay, it was Shay. Um, Piper was a newborn, like very, very young. And we had I mean, Piper's nursery had just gotten done. We had this beautiful new like rocker glider, you know, nursing chair and Shay was sitting in it and I could just tell that she had to go potty. And I asked her and asked her and asked her and she said, no. Well, next thing I know, she unleashed a bladder full on this brand new chair. I, I mean, Gina, the entire cushion oh, was saturated and oh, I gosh. lost my ever loving mind. <laughs> Through, I mean, in her urine saturated panties, oh. I spanked her and I, oh. I mean, I, she was two, I lost it and I will never forget it. And the look on her face, like, oh my gosh, you're supposed to be my person. And you just did that to me. Like Aww. it shredded me. And <laughs> I, I would be curious to know if she, I don't think she remembers it, but that was very, um, I remember that. And I just yeah. remember thinking how I felt in that moment and how ineffective it was. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but yeah, I my, did it. I did it. My dad actually spanked me once so hard. He left a red hand mark on my ass. Um, <laughs> Nick does the same thing. <laughs> oh my God. We have to Shut put like one of those anyone. little E's next to this <laughs> yeah, episode. We totally do. We totally do. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, my, my dad tells me he still remembers that. And I do too. You better believe it. Now, granted, I was older. I think I was probably like 10 or something. But he ran me into a corner. I couldn't go anywhere. He, he I was behind his desk. He went under his desk, grabbed me and smacked my butt so hard. I mean, giant red welt from his hand. <laughs> He still remembers that. So, and I do too. But I, again, I was older. So I doubt Shay remembers. Oh my gosh. Too <laughs> funny. Yeah. Well, this is a similar question. So there's an, a spectrum, of course, of authoritative parenting all the way to permissive parenting. And as Americans, we tend to be a bit more authoritative, but again, spectrum. So who is more authoritative, you or Nick? Um, and then, Nick, Mark, I'm curious your response. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely Nick would say that he's the more authoritative one. Um, but I think that there is a there's a big difference here between authoritative. I wouldn't even call him. Wait, so there's authoritarian and then there's authoritative. So, yes, I would definitely call him authoritative and he would probably say that I'm permissive. But I actually think that we're both pretty authoritative. 
Um, and actually, in some ways, I would call him permissive too. I mean, it, it depending on how you look at it. Uh, so yeah, we're kind of a mix of both, but I don't think either of us are authoritarian, which is like more controlling and punish, punish, punishment with control. Um, trying to control your children. That's not, we're more trying to look for the teachable moments. Um, and, and when we do punish, we're trying to kind of teach them a lesson in the long run. So yeah, I think we both do a pretty good job of that. I really don't have a good answer for this one. I don't know. I think that we're probably more on the authoritarian side, I guess, uh, in terms of, again, if you were to like both as parenting styles, as well as I guess more where it reflects in what I see in our kids. Like if we were to line up 10 kids, right. And of the same age and ask them to do something or tell them to do something or say, you know, back to the last question, like if you don't stop that, then this, or if you don't do this, then that. I think our kid, I think because we're more authoritarian or controlling or however, the, whatever the negative spin on that is, I do think our kids are a little bit more disciplined. And so the only thing I can think of is probably, again, that means that we're more on the authoritative side than on the, um, you know, undisciplined or, or free flowing side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think one thing I would add to this is I would say more than authoritative or permissive, I would say we're probably pretty structured. Uh, so I think that that plays expectations, right? The, the kids are very clear in their expectations of, of, of what's expected of them that at bedtime, this is the expectation. So there's never a negotiation. It's never an ordeal. Um, it's, and that's, I, I just mentioned bedtime because I know that that's an area that a lot of families struggle with. And it's also an area that I think because we mastered so effectively for what works for our family. Uh, but that's really allowed Mark and I to have date nights regularly. You know, all of that, like that having a babysitter has never been an issue for us. And and I'm very grateful for that because um, we don't have family close by. So if we ever want to get out on a weekend, that is something we have to rely on babysitters. Uh, but I would say we're very structured. Um, clear expectations. And so within that, I think it leaves less um, need to be either authoritative or authoritarian. I don't know. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think we're pretty good with that as well. We are almost obsessively structured, but I think it has been very beneficial for our kids and for us. I agree with you. Cool. Um, all right. So our kids are roughly the same ages, six. And what you said, Cam's going to be four in February and Piper just turned four couple months ago. So what's been your favorite couple age? A so, cu couple weeks. What, oh, was it in September? That's right. I always think it's November. Sorry. Oh, no, that's Sorry. okay. Um, so what would you say is your favorite age so far? And did the type of parenting that that age required impact kind of your preference for that, that period of time in your child's life? Yeah, my answer was six. I'm actually really loving age six for Paige. And I would say this is my favorite of all. I mean, I yeah, of all the of all the years, less probably one of the reasons is because I've had to use less disciplinary tactics with her, and I don't love to discipline very much. Um, so maybe that's one of the reasons why. And and I probably the previous discipline that we have used has worked so far, um, because she's just really, you know, knock on wood, she's good. She's a good little six year old. Um, <laughs> what about you, Nick? What's your favorite age? I agree, Paige for sure. Uh, right now she's, she's becoming a, I mean, she's becoming a person, you know, she's like becoming a big girl and it's really cool to see, uh, the confidence, the, you can kind of see her in her brain, like kind of like how Gina does and organizing and planning and expecting and, and anticipating and doing things that she wasn't doing just, you know, a few years ago. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think Paige right now is, is a really cool age. Um, for Cameron, it, it was about, I don't know, gosh, just before pre pre COVID, like right before COVID started. Um, I loved that age. He was understanding things more, you know, his, his language was good and full and he was learning and he was fun. And, and then, you know, COVID has, has kind of made him a little more grumpy. He also has turned three, and as we all know, that's the most difficult year. So right, yeah, yeah. He he has hit a, a tough spot now, um, but uh, 
but for Cameron, it was when we, we started him in preschool early, uh, last January. Um, and he was kind of, you could tell he was different. Um, and then when we started preschool officially, um, you know, the following August, I mean, he just, he blossomed and to hear his teachers talk about him and, and school and the things that he does. And it's just, it was a really cool spot for him, but yeah, things have rough, things have been rough ever, ever since. What about you guys? I actually liked age three. I mean, it was probably one of the most difficult ages, but I think it's the first time you start to see them as a person. I mean, I don't like the infant stage. I look at our niece right now and she's, you know, not yet two. And it's like she's walking and, and communicating a little bit, but, you know, no, no listening skills, no, you know, no, uh, no ability to control the situation. So it's just like chase, chase, chase. And I think at, at you know, age two and a half, three, depending on the kid. I mean, I think with Shay, it was more like three and a half with Piper. It was more like two and a half where they start to get the, the, they understand or they start to think about potty training. They start to understand, do this, don't do this. Let's do this. What do you think about that? What do you think about this? They start to have an opinion, I would say. So yeah. it's, I think it's easy right now to, to, cause I think Nicole's answer is going to be, she's enjoyed every age, like, or something, you know, or every age has been better than the last or something cheesy like that. But I, I don't know, for me, I would say, I would say two to three. Okay. You are so wrong. Okay. I, I love three. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, this is coming from a mother of two girls. Uh, I would say three has, is the age though. It can be challenging with discipline uh, because there is, yeah, it can just be a little, a little muddy at that age. But I love that they are just putting together so many connections about the world. Um, Just where they are in, in, time and space, just every, I just think three is so fun. And when that language explodes, they just, they're funny and they don't know it. I, I, there's just such an innocence that it's like, when I think about the quotes and stuff that I would fill a baby book with, it's almost all at the age of three. And I yeah. live for that stuff. I love it. Um, you are right about that. I think, uh, cause there's just such an innocence. I think once after four, they just, they get smarter um, and I think for Shay now, I, I'm enjoying that age, but she's at that stage now where homework's flowing in and and there's like some things are like a negotiation that I'm like, I don't want to negotiate with you. I'm just it's it's more real now, like her learning and things like that. And that has implications. I mean, that's just more stressful as a parent, I would say, because um, stuff just it's more I don't want to say more important, but it's there's some accountability there uh, that you as a parent have follow through uh, required to uh and a see-through. I would say my most favorite age, though, if I were choosing, is like right before babies start rolling over, like two to four months when they smile. And you just said it was three years old, and now you're see, <laughs> see, Gina, and I told you. I, I want a two to four month old as soon as they start rolling around. Done. Um, but yeah, just that cheesy gummy smile. They laugh and giggle. No um, way. Yep, I want it yeah. all the time. I, I love breastfeeding and then, yep, I'll, t- I'll take him again when they're three. The whole potty. Yeah, I don't know. All yeah. That. Two is yeah. hard. Oh, two is hard. Three. But you're right. They, they do have really um, the quotes at age three are, are great. I've written down quite a few for Cameron. His new thing is he likes to say, is that in our world? <laughs> like he'll see like what well, we watch the Ghostbusters. Like, are, are, are ghosts in our world? <laughs> it's the cutest thing. And the way he says it, it's just so cute. Are they in our world? <laughs> I love it. Oh, and so as we turn back time a bit here, is is there anything that you as parents would do differently while raising your kids through these kind of fast, crazy, amazing formative years? Uh, so kind of up to age six, what would you do differently, if anything? Yeah, I, I think I would have liked to learn more about sensitive kids and just how to raise one. I don't think I did a great job with that for Paige's first few years, but this is something I'll, I'm sure I'll be working on forever since I am not highly sensitive in the least. Um Let's see. I I know this is what we I should be doing instead of punishing bad behavior, praising good behavior. And I try to remind myself that over and over again, which probably goes back to why Nick thinks I'm permissive um, because I try not to overpunish, but I do try to really hard to instead focus on the good and praise the good behaviors. 
Uh, I'm curious to hear if Nick would say anything about our bedtime routine because we are very jealous of your like five minute in and out routine. Ours is more like 30 to 40 minutes, but anyone can put our kids to bed. Like we could leave them with anyone and they'll, and they'll be just fine. But still, they like to have some books read and songs sang and all that crap. And then I think um, if this year Nick decides to bring out an elf on the shelf, I think in five years, his answer will be that. But I refuse to bring one into our house. What about you, Nick? I don't even know where to start. Um, No, I'm not a man. I wish I should a type of guy. I I have no regrets in anything I ever do. I I don't. I'm, I'm not. I've never and have I've never been that type of person that goes, man, I wish I would have done this or man, I wish I would have done that. Um, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I don't I don't believe that's healthy, in my opinion. I don't think that does you any good. My mom used to always say to me, Nick, worrying's like a, a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And that to me has been something that has stuck You're with so me my entire quotes. life. Wow. I just, I can't, if I start thinking about, you know, again, as a wrestler, there are so many things that I wish I did as a wrestler, uh, after each match, after each wrestling practice, after every golf round, like there with sports, there are so many things you should have, could have, would have. Right. And I found out at a very young age that that just made me angry. And I gave up, I gave it up. I, I thought if I'm going to move forward, I'm not going to think or dwell on the past. So long story short, no. I, yeah, our bedtime routine is a little bit longer than it probably could be. Um, but at the same time, I, I enjoy kind of the singing songs and the telling stories and, you know, the things that we do in bedtime with the kids. Uh, you know, hopefully as they get older, it will become less lengthy. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not, I don't ever go back and think, man, I wish I would have or could have. Elf on the shelf, I don't even, I don't know, maybe. Let me just say, I can get the kids to bed in 25 minutes. Nick is still singing songs at 45 minutes. One more song, daddy. No, please. Okay, what do you want? Wheels on the bus. Okay, the wheels on the bus. One more song, daddy. No, I'm not singing you any more song. Please, one more. Okay, last one. Kind of cute. Every but night. I'm glad it's you and not me, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Amen. what would you say? Yeah, I don't I, I'm I'm agreeing with Nick here. I, I don't want to look backwards. I don't think I look backwards very often. I think if anything, it's kind of like what would we adjust now? Or what do we think we should adjust now? So like what would we do differently next week or next month? Or what do we want to do differently this year? Uh and and focusing a discussion on that, which I don't think we've really had or, or, or up to this point, but I agree. I I don't think there's any real benefit in looking backwards or I don't, nothing immediately comes to mind on, oh man, that was a major milestone. I wish we had done it differently. Uh, and if it doesn't come to my mind off the top of my head or after thinking about it for a minute or two, I'm not going to waste time trying to think about it harder. (laughs) I think we are committed to being better about reading kind of here forward. I think we've gotten lazy and um, probably kept the TV on for, you know, through book time. And we need to kind of get back to that because it's important. Yeah. I can't really think of anything either. I would say, you know, I wish, I mean, I think COVID has been good for the family unit because Mark's around a lot more. I mean, Mark is, was typically away from home, anywhere between 10 and 12 hours a day and traveled internationally fairly regularly. So I think that him just being around has been really nice. And I think that that at this stage, it's been so long, it would be a huge adjustment for all of us for him to go back to that, uh, him included. But yeah, no major regrets, certainly. I'm, yeah, I think just being able to slow down and soak up the time. And I think for me, I'm just very task oriented. So even if I'm just sitting there cuddling with the kids, you know, put down my Kindle or stop making my grocery list and just enjoy them. Yeah. Living in the moment is always something I remind myself to do. And I do that like never. So I think for me, it just seems like (laughs) childhood has gone, like raising my kids has gone really fast, which everyone says that. So it's probably no different. So has parenting strengthened your relationship or your marriage, would you say? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine that Nick would say no. I feel like I I can't necessarily articulate why or how, but I do feel like our our marriage has been strengthened because of, of kids and it's brought us closer together for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's, it's you know, you're as, as cliche as it is, you, you know, you win as a team, you lose as a team. So like- Can we if, go with quotes again? What's true. I mean, like if you're not a team with your kids, you'll crumble. I mean, we, we had, we see it with some of our friends who they're just, they're, they're not a team with their kids and, and you can tell that it's slowly but surely, um, separating their relationship. And it, I mean, I, I would rather sacrifice some of my own time and, uh, some of my own, um, feelings to allow, you know, my wife to have time away or, you know, there's certain things that I'm just willing to do to make sure that she's okay. Then I think some of my, some of our other friends are willing to do. So yes, I think it strengthened our relationship, our, our marriage for sure. And I think that, uh, you know, as Gina said earlier, I grew up with a mom and a dad who were, uh, super amazing and super loving. And I always knew, uh, from my father from the very beginning on how to treat uh, a woman and to make sure that the things you do are, um, are part of your everyday life. So, it's easy for me to do it and I enjoy it. And I think that's definitely helped our, our marriage with the kids. And I think the kids see it. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I would say we've had maybe some ups and downs with regard to whether or not kind of having children and a family has strengthened our relationship. But I will say um, we've learned a lot and adapted and grown and so in the end, yes, I would say our relationship and marriage is stronger, but I think it takes a lot of communication. And I think that, you know, as individuals, we have to understand that, yes, we're, we are a team, but we each have individual needs. And I think what Mark and I have learned is that his needs are very different from mine as kind of individuals. And I do have greater probably needs as an individual, whether it's um, podcasting or blogging or hockey or, you know, fill in the book club. I mean, I... I do tend to overbook myself, um, but I've also learned that those things are very important to me in order to be a good spouse and parent. So I think he's adapted as time has gone on and we've really improved in that way, but I'm curious to hear what he has to say. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, like I said, I don't really think backwards, so it's it's hard to, to but I, I think that there was if I think about when we, before we had kids, right. I mean, we moved multiple times, different States and we both had, we both worked during both those periods of time. So, I mean, me with the same company, you with different organizations, uh, but you know, really three moves from Oklahoma to Ohio to Michigan in about six year, over a six year period, four to five, six year period. And I think that through that with no kids, you start to focus on yourself, right? Like you just mentioned all those activities. And we became, you know, we were more like roommates, right? I mean, it was like, okay, next thing, next task, what, you know, what's important to you, what's important to me, date night, et cetera. And so I think kids definitely put in a, a bit of a challenge, right? Because we both had to adjust and I would say, um, sacrifice, right? Uh, whether, you know, um, and I think that just takes time, took time to adjust to. And then, you know, with the second kid, I think, you know, it's not like the three-year-old's really helping with the one-month-old. And so it, right now we're getting a huge benefit from having kids close in age and they entertain each other and they, they you know, like Nicole mentioned earlier, give them a box and some markers and they're like good for the afternoon, which is <laughs> is great for us. Uh, but I think it was definitely difficult uh, on uh, the relationship or, or just an adjustment as we went from, you know, new jobs, new locations on our friends network and all of that. And then, um, you know, kids at first, I think were a challenge and then brought us, you know, closer together over time, but in a different way. Yeah. And I don't want you to think that everything was rainbow and butterfly butterflies the whole time since we've had kids. I mean, we've definitely had ups and downs in our relationship as well. I will say that. But in the end, has it strengthened our relationship? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, guys. You are relinquished from your podcast uh, duties for now. Till next time. <laughs>
Oh, Nick is already chomping at the bit for that one. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That was good. All right, Gina. Mom win, favorite new product? I'm realizing... I'm really realizing that I call them all mom wins instead of just favorite new products. We should just call it a mom win, but whatever. <laughs> I'm always like on Instagram, I'll say, this is my mom win for the, for the month. And it was a new product or a, a new recipe. Anyway, my favorite <laughs> new recipe is um, a tamari chicken in the crock pot. And it's a gluten-free recipe. Not that it really matters, but you just put a bunch of chicken breasts in there with tamari sauce and a few other ingredients and it, you shred it at the end. I served over quinoa with a um, a thing of like steamed vegetables and it was just so good. And we had it as leftovers for a few days. And I think Nick liked it. The kids didn't love it, but they're not really big meat or chicken eaters anyway, but I will definitely make it again. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mine is balsamic and honey on roasted Brussels sprouts. Why choose Gina? Why choose? Uh I don't know why this came to me, uh, but I made it this week. I'm going to actually blog about it because it was that good. Uh, just a little bit of both, but I'm just at the end after they've been uh, Brussels sprouts were roasted in olive oil, salt and pepper. So good. So, so, so good. I love Brussels sprouts. So I've got some in my fridge. I'm going to make them today or tomorrow. All right. Read a review. It says, great job from Diet Riot Podcast. Happy faced. We have been enjoying your topics and guests. We really love your guests on sleep training, much needed for us, and also the episode on CBD and cannabis. Living in Denver, this was super interesting for us. Thanks for sharing some interesting topics for fellow moms and RDs. So sweet. And we're going to actually have them on our podcast in the next, I think, three months. We're going to talk about topics, um, basically suggestions or tips that we've given to clients in the past that we regret doing. (laughs) It's going to be a good one. (laughs) I have so much to add to that episode. (laughs) Oh my gosh, me too. You know, 10 years later, I think we've learned some things. All right. So coming up on December 6th, we will be dishing about intuitive eating during the holidays. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram and check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Outcast, I'm sorry, Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right, everyone, until next time, be well. And Nicole, I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Gina. See ya. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.